Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Hello again, Intelligentsia. That's what I call my listeners here on the Jeffers Brief. Welcome to another episode. Today, in this episode, I want to talk to you about something that preppers don't always feel comfortable talking about. We have to talk about money. Money, what could happen with it, how much should you have stashed away for the time if the grid goes down or the U.S. dollar implodes, which it looks like it's doing because there's no shortage of paper and green ink, apparently. You can just keep printing and say, hey. But you know where we're going with it. So this is what we're going to talk about today. But before then, a comment about the French elections. If Macron before the election has a 36% approval rating, 36%. But somehow, mind you, manages to defeat his opponent, Marie Le Pen, by double digits. I'm not saying there's anything going on here, I'm just pointing it out. Many because I'm not that uh, versed in French politics or the French political scene. But, I'm just putting it out there. Is it any different when you've got a decrepit old man dribbling applesauce and ice cream in his basement, somehow garnering 81 million votes? Hmm. you got to say, hmm. If you don't, I want to know why. So let's get back to what I want to talk to you about. The first thing we're going to talk about for you preppers out there, and well, for anybody that's listening for the show, you should keep cash on hand that you do not touch. So it's for true emergencies. Not emergencies like I can't make my car payment this month. That's not an emergency. So, your question is, well, how much do I have to have? It's going to vary from person to person, prepper group to prepper group. So, let's call it just a, the just-in-case-something-unexpected-were-to-happen fund. <laughs> It doesn't. Basically, it's called an emergency fund. I have one. My wife and I have had uh, this fund for some time. We do not touch it for any reason. Now, we have saved enough that we have some in cash, on hand, hidden, for where we can get to it if needed. The balance we have put into a money market fund. So we earn interest on it. 
Now the best interest I can find so far, and I've done my, I've been doing my reading, boys and girls, for this episode, which is why it's coming out on a Thursday as opposed to a Monday. The best I can find is Discover Bank has the best rates for money market funds. Because the thing of it is, is with the emergency fund, you have to be able to access it when needed. So that's why we keep cash hidden away and an only I know where it is spot. So you have access to it right away. And the rest, I don't want to put that much money in my hideaway spot. Because there could be a time when we're, let's say there's a critical incident and you can't get to the ATM. You can't get online. That's why you have your cash at home. To hold on to the time you can. The rest of the money we have goes to an interest-bearing account, a money market fund. Discover Bank, and I'm not endorsing them. I wish they would sponsor my show. The rest of it is this. Because savings interest rates are freaking ridiculously low, it's criminal. Because where they're paying you, it's very minute. We're talking 0.04. And they're saying, this is a great rate. On what planet? But the money market fund allows you to, one, get a higher uh, interest rate on it. I believe uh, I checked yesterday. The money market fund for Discover Bank is either 0.5 or 0.4. That's the highest I could find. But the money market allows me to have a, get a higher interest rate, which isn't that great, but it's better than what I, you know, what I've been able to find. And, and... I have instant access to it whenever I need it. Okay, you follow? So first things first, let's talk about how much you think you're gonna need. Well, I'm gonna give you some very loose and wide guidelines. So, for example, we talked about um, the president of Mainstain Financial Group said that banks and ATMs may not be up and running for days after a strong storm, for example, or you know something else that happens. They recommend their clients have three to five days worth of spending money just in case. So how do you decide how much to save? You know, how much do you think you'll need for an extreme catastrophic event? How much can you afford to save? This is why we got these variables in there. And a lot of preppers either don't pay attention to it, they don't know about it, or they just don't want to deal with it because it's such a, you know, it's, look, it's not a, you know, action-filled, shoot em up topic. It really isn't. So, now, it's, as, we, as I said before, it's wise to have a small physical uh, a small amount of physical cash at home for the, you know, the truce of emergencies when banks are not operating. However, you know, you can find lots of different ways to save it, but you have to decide how important it is to you. The goal, 
generally speaking, individuals should be prepared to pay for essential or non-discretionary expenses out of pocket. Now that's Brett Tharp. He's the uh, CFP and financial planning education consultant at eMoney Advisor. He says, temporary lodging or shelter, fuel, food, water, and necessary medications fall into your category, should fall into this category. And this will differ for each person depending on their level of preparedness or perception of how likely a catastrophic or critical uh, incident might be. Roughly speaking, $2,000 should cover those costs. Now he advises his clients, his rule of thumb is to keep between one to $2,000 in cash in case banking operations are shut down due to a national emergency or a catastrophe. And that was, that's Gregory Brinkman, the president of Brinkman Financial in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, one to $2,000, it depends on yourself. If it's just me, you're not married, you have no kids, it's just you, you could probably skate by on a grand. But, let's say you got, you know, kids, wife, depends on the family. You're going to have to plan for them. We've talked about this many, many times on this show. You know what I know. At the first sign of, oh shit, we didn't prep, but my brother did. You know what you're going to hear within 12 hours of the grid going down. You're going to hear this. Hello? Hello? That's what you're going to hear. People knocking on your door. So It's important. That's why we're preppers. Now, there's no magic number for how much to save in your emergency fund. It depends entirely on your personal situation. So, basically, you should save, you know, what feels right to you. You know your budget better than anyone else, certainly not the government. So no matter the amount, an emergency, an emergency fund is absolutely necessary. So make it a priority to build one. Even if you can't afford to save much, it's better to save something rather than nothing. So if you could only afford to set aside $1,000 for an emergency fund that, took, that you saved by putting away 10 or 20 bucks every paycheck, that's better than not saving at all. <clears throat> now, you have to take into account what a national emergency. Inflation is going to rise, which we've seen. Demand for necessities will increase and price gouging will likely ensue. With all that in mind, in addition to your regular emergency savings, you should prepare to have enough to cover the following costs in a national emergency situation. Prices for gas and water will likely be much higher in the event of an actual national state of emergency. And note that items that, that are, are, you know, that are in the are table items are emergency purchases for one person. For example, you know, here, perfect example. What's the standard for water? One gallon per person per day. 
Use that as a, let that be your guide. Now, you could have an emergency kit, and I'm not saying, these are just uh, recommendations from money.com. This is what they say. Batteries and tools, $122. It doesn't define what the tools are. You should have tools anyways, just basic tools. First aid supply kit, $48. No! Do not go to Menards or Home Depot and get their all-in-one first aid kit. It's crap. Let me take that back. It's not crap. But it's not what you should have as a first aid kit. There's a lot more that goes into a first aid supply kit than bacitracin, a pair of scissors, some gauze, and some band-aids. All right? Non-perishable food. That's canned items, ladies and gentlemen. They're saying that's $120. Apparently they haven't been. Money.com has not been to the grocery stores lately. Medication. You, okay. We've talked about this before. I haven't talked about it in a while. For those of you on prescription medication that are not narcotics, you could, you could get all some friends who live close to the southern border. They can cross into Mexico legally. They can buy non-narcotics, high blood pressure pills, say your uh, glucophage for your diabetes, whatever. They can buy that without prescription at substantial savings. They can bring it back with them and mail it to you. That's the way to get around that problem. Or if you want, you could just order from them, you know, get online and order from a pharmacy in Mexico. Many of them right along the border. That's how many of them make their money on Americans because they're not going to buy the crap that's being sold up here for three, four, five times more than what it is down there. Second of all, uh, spare clothing. You're going to have to have a bag. Your go bag. Do you have spare clothing in there? I want to know why. So, Unlike a regular emergency fund, which should be used to cover things like unemployment, medical, or car emergencies, emergency home repairs, or bereavement-related expenses, a national emergency fund should be reserved for catastrophes for which you cannot use credit cards. Regular emergency savings should be stashed in some kind of savings, money market, or certificate of deposit account. Hold on. I don't like certificate of deposit accounts because you don't have access ready access to your money without paying a penalty or a fee with the discovery with the discover bank money market fund there is no penalty for taking out your money all right and of course your regular savings account doesn't make you anything remember it's more important to have your money work for you than you work for your money think about that boys and girls i'm not telling you anything new i'm reinforcing it so your savings for a national emergency fund should be kept mostly in cash. Avoid the stock market because you can lose your national emergency money right when you need it the most. That and it take you don't have immediate access to it. Now neither emergency fund is meant to be dipped into or spent like disposable income. And creating one takes the same approach as that of a rainy day fund, a nest egg, or any other savings. 
So how do you start the, emer the emergency fund? First, you got to know your budget. Budget, budget, budget. I know you've heard this before, right? Now, uh, the Rachel Cruz uh, show, she says a zero-based budget is best. This is where your income minus expenses equals zero. So you are giving every dollar a name. Even if your income has changed or you've lost a job, you list out any possible income you could have coming in and all of your expenses. This will help you see what you can uh, what can be cut from your budget so you can stretch your money further and find the ways to save it. You understand. You get your paycheck. You should budget it out. I've got to pay these bills. I'm going to need this for the rest of the week. i got to buy gas. Basically, it's zero-based. Oh, look. I've got $15 left over. $15 goes into my emergency fund. Done. Make sense? Okay. Uh, you have to set a savings goal. Now, if you know, Dave Ramsey, and he suggests, and other experts, that you start small. So if you're looking to set aside $3,000 in one year, that would mean you'll have to save $250 per month over the next 12 months. If you extend your savings goal to 18 months, and that's $166 per month. Or you could automate uh, saving a percentage of your income. Put about, say, 10% of your monthly take-home income for that emergency fund. You could do that. It has to be our priority, guys. So instead of going to Starbucks and getting your $5, whatever the hell that is, they, they sell there, their grade B coffee beans. I got Starbucks. Aren't I trendy? No, you're a moron. You're a moron. What you just paid for that, your little grande or whatever the hell it is they have over there. You go to the grocery store, you buy yourself a can of coffee for eight bucks. And you got coffee for the next two, three weeks, depending on how much you drink. You just saved yourself a shitload of money. It is. But remember, you have to make it a priority. Stock values are always, always going to plummet. You know, job insecurity. It's not a question of job insecurity right now. It's a question of, even if I have a job, look at the inflation rate. You see what I'm saying? It's got to be a priority. Even if you put $10 away, or you put $100 away, put something away. Put it into a little jar. Put it in a mason jar. Put all your spare change. I knew a guy, and every time he came home with a dollar bill, he would put it into his jar. Every day. Oh, I got a single? Put it in my jar. You could do that. You could take your spare change. Come home at the end of the day and tell your pockets, oh, look, I got 55 cents. Boink, put it in the jar. It, it will add up quicker than you realize. Now, you're going to have to put other contributions on hold while you build your emergency fund. So, for example, you might have to readjust, uh, you know, your, your, your donation to your company's 401k. You might have to put that lower, if you not get rid of it, maybe lower it. Uh, say, like, um, you decide to put $100 into your 401k every paycheck. I'm going to readjust that down to, say, $40. 
another $60 used as seed money for your emergency fund. Just an idea. It's not difficult, but if you've never been thought about it or you don't know, here you go. Get you ideas to think on how to pull, how to pull this off. So should your national emergency fund be all cash? If you've managed to save up to 15 grand over time, for example, it might not be a prudent idea to have all that money in cold hard cash sitting around your house. For one reason, it's unsafe, and two, it might actually be more than you need. You have 15 grand sitting in your house. Your house catches on fire. Just putting it out there. Now, there is a price to putting away a large amount of money for a rainy day. The price is inflation, which is averaged about, well, when this was written, it was averaging 1% to 2% per year. But thanks to the uh, Biden being in office and his policies for the last 14, 15 months now nearly, the Build Back Better program has seen inflation jump up 8.5%. Yay. Build Back Better. Yeah, I got that. I got your Build Back Better all right. And it ain't up here. So there is a price to putting away a large amount of money for a rainy day, and that price is inflation, which we just talked about. To minimize loss from inflation, it's wise to not keep too much of your emergency fund at home in physical cash. By keeping the bulk of your money in a savings account, or a guy, I'm not even going to say, say those three words. But you can at least earn some interest on it to counteract the inflation. There you go. You could consider opening a separate savings account to serve as a national emergency fund. You could do that. But again, you keep about two grand at home. The rest of the emergency fund should be kept in a bank, uh, savings, interest-bearing checking account. There is no high-yield savings account that's worth a crap. It just, it just isn't. Um when you set aside the savings, whether for vacation or, you know, life's emergencies, you want to be able to get to it quickly and not keep it somewhere that's too easy to access. So, um, yeah. You might hey, want to have some cash saved in the form of alternative assets. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Something that you may not have heard of, but I've been reading up on it and I want to share it with you. So now you have to ask, how do I hide money at home? You know, you keep large amounts of money in your home, but you still have that fear of theft or misplacement or fire or flood or whatever. And keeping cash at home is risky, especially when it's in large denominations. A home break-in is a type of emergency you won't have money for if your cash supply is stolen. Your physical money isn't insured and it's unlikely to be recovered. That's the truth. So you have to find secure, clever places to hide your emergency fund can safeguard the security of your assets. Think of it as making a bank within your home. Common advice is to keep some cash at your house, but not too much. One to two grand in small denominations. Favor smaller bills like 20s because some retailers won't accept larger notes. However, when looking to store your money in a compact fashion, 
larger bills and fewer quantities take up less space. So it's a, it's a trade-off. So whatever you decide, stash your cash away in a practical yet unorthodox way. If you're going to use one of those safes that you can buy, make sure it's quality and fireproof. The more secure than the usual suspects under the mattress or the coffee container, be reasonable with how much you put a, you put in the safe. It's okay to keep a, a couple thousand at home, but you want to keep the bulk of your money secure and protected. The bulk of it. When you're first starting out, you got you got no choice. You got to have to do it at home. Uh, when I was in the army. They did it. They gave us a two-hour course on uh, booby traps, and the idea. And I still remember what the the uh, instructor said about booby traps. He said booby traps are a product of a sick mind. Well, I think you could use that philosophy to hide your cash at home. Think about it. Where would you put something if you don't want somebody to look there? I know. I'm not saying nothing. So, so we talked about that. Let's talk about something maybe you might not have heard of. And maybe you have, but you're not sure. You're not sure if it's a good idea or if it's real. About two weeks ago, I was on Gab uh, Social, Gab.com. I said, let me check out their market, their, the Gab Marketplace. And I saw something interesting. It was called a Goldback. I'm going, what the hell is this? And at the time, I really couldn't find a lot about it. Well, yesterday, Newsmax Finance talks about gold backs and I'm going to tell you what they are we're going to talk about it I know just bear with me you'll like it who wrote this by the way uh, just uh, Newsmax Finance uh, Street Talk that's all it is that's all it, I don't know. anyways so with inflation running at the highest level in four decades, Utah business owner Steve Alred is concerned about the declining purchasing power of the U.S. dollar. To protect against the possibility it will get worse, Alred, like many investors, has bought gold. Alternative money? He also began to accept some forms of the precious metal as payment in the three hardware stores that he owns with his brother. Allred is among a group of Americans that are increasingly turning to gold as an alternative currency as unprecedented government spending and the Federal Reserve easing threatens to further erode the value of the greenback. Now the dollar has lost 86% of its purchasing power since 1971, according to U.S. government data when President Richard Nixon ended the fixed convertibility of dollars to gold. 
gold prices have jumped from around $40 per ounce to $1,900 during this time. Uh, just last night I checked it, it was just under $1,900 an ounce. A troy ounce, by the way. So in addition to its use in jewelry, central bank reserves and some industrial applications, gold has, won, has some passionate advocates who believe it holds its value far better than fiat currencies like the dollar. Because governments can issue debt and print money supply at will, like I said. Apparently there is a supply chain shortage for everything but linen paper and green ink. So US dollars in circulation are two and a quarter trillion, up from 1.8 trillion in early 2020. They're talking about dollars in circulation. That's how many dollars are floating around our economy. That's what they're talking about. And it's just over 800 billion in 2007. And that's what the Federal Reserve data show. Now, gold's use as a currency started gaining traction after the financial crisis of 07 and 09, the housing crunch, the bubble, and has accelerated during the pandemic since 2020 as the government spent trillions and the Federal Reserve bought unprecedented amounts of bonds in an effort to revive the economy. While it will not challenge the primacy of the greenback, its use is growing fast. Innovations that allow people to use the metal for even the smallest daily transactions or help it to propel the movement. Now, Allred began accepting gold backs at his stores around three months ago. This money is infused with particles of gold and comes in denominations ranging from one, which is one one thousandth of an ounce of gold, to 50, which is one twentieth of an ounce. Now, in that time, all Red's customers have bought around three to four thousand dollars in goods using that currency, the, the gold back. He hopes the use of notes increases so they can be widely a variety, be used for a wide variety of products and services in his community, especially if the greenback continues to depreciate. Now, Jeremy Corden, founder and president of uh, Goldback Inc., we're going to be going, I'll be telling you about that a little later on. He said that around a quarter to half of small businesses in Utah will accept the notes. The company has sold around $30 million across the country, and Corden thinks the goldbacks could grow to around $1 billion over the next five or six years, though the speed of growth is constrained by how quickly the company can print the money. And we're going to talk about printing the money. Now, Jason Cozens, founder and CEO of gold trading and investment app GlintPay, has also seen strong demand to use gold as currency. Now, customers can use Glint to purchase gold, which is held in a vault in Switzerland, and spend their holdings using a MasterCard. What's the problem with that? The problem is, if the banks go down, you KTMs, you can't use your credit, you can't use your MasterCard. No one's going to accept it because electricity's out, internet's out, Swift Pay system, all that shit's out. So, Cozen says around half of its 105,000 customers are in the United States and registered users increased by 500% in the first quarter over the fourth quarter. He's talking about uh, January, or the last quarter 
uh, fourth quarter of last fiscal year, first quarter of this fiscal year. The money we're using in less than one person's lifetime has lost most of its purchasing power. That's what's driving everything, Cozen said. You start thinking about, well, why is money depreciating? Why is it outside of your control? Well, it's simple. Keep printing it. So in some ways, the interest in gold currency overlaps with the cryptocurrency movement, which is popular at least in part due to a desire for a decentralized financial system, which is why the banks hate it, hate crypto. People are seeking more privacy as cash becomes less common and proposed central bank digital currencies risk giving some institutions more control over people's finances than ever before. Remember Biden telling the IRS, $600 limit, we want to know where it's going. Right here. So, exact figures on how commonly gold is used as tender are not available as transactions are private. Uh, Joe Cavatoni, regional CEO, USA at the World Gold Council, said gold is more popular as an investment because it performs well during times of uncertainty. Though state governments are also removing some barriers to its use as currency. Utah recognized gold and silver as legal tender in 2011. And Oklahoma and Arizona have followed. States are increasingly lifting tax restrictions. J.P. Cortez, a policy director for the Sound Money Defense League, said that 41 states have wholly or partially exempted gold and silver from sales tax. And another five are considering legislation to do the same. Now, the group is also working with legislators to remove capital gains taxes. Arizona has eliminated state capital gains tax on precious metals, though most states continue to levy this and the taxes are also payable at the federal level. But Cortez notes that ultimately, if you can't write off capital losses in the value of a dollar, we shouldn't be taxed for capital gains when that gain in the price of gold isn't really a gain. It's just a representation of the loss of purchasing power of the dollar. So what is a greenback? All right, just for transparency's sake, I have been, I buy my precious metals at jmbullion.com. Again, I wish they'd come sponsor me. I talk to these guys, but they never listen to me. Anyways, so you go to jmbullion.com, all right? You can use any uh, precious metals exchange or uh, broker. Just go to the search box, type in gold bags. They should have it. Now, with that said, not all of the places that sell gold backs are going to be reputable. You're thinking, John, how can it not be duplicated? Well, I want to tell you. Three states that I know of are issuing that issuing. The states aren't issuing, but there's Utah, Nevada, and New Hampshire have gold backs. So you're saying, well, what is a gold bag? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you an idea. So a gold bag, for example, let's talk about the uh, five Nevada gold back gold note. And a five is a one two hundredth 
troy ounce of 24 karat gold for circulation in Nevada. Now, how do we, how, how, how do I want to, how do I express this? All right. Orem gold notes are among the most distinctive items you'll find right now. This is about Nevada. Not only are the five Nevada gold-backed gold notes impressive in designs, each one has a status as a voluntary form of local currency for the state or jurisdiction noted. So, with the release of the Nevada goldbacks, the series of Orem gold notes for U.S. states grow. And you can get you can get you can get quite a few stuff. We're going to talk about this stuff. So. When you buy a gold note, for example, we're just talking, and this is, this is probably for all the goldbacks that they have for sale at JM Bullion. They come to you in a protective sleeve, privately issued currency for use in Nevada, produced in the United States of America. They contain one two hundredth troy ounce of 0.9999 pure gold. They're the second smallest weight in the series. The first one's one. So, you're saying, how are they making these? All right, Orem gold notes are produced by Valerum in the United States of America using 24 karat gold. The gold is applied in layers between two pieces of polyester that provide a flexible protective barrier for the thin gold notes. These Orem goldbacks issued for voluntary use in Nevada are popular follow-up to the Utah goldbacks that debuted in early, earlier in 2020 for investors. Each of the distinctive gold notes represents some of the smallest gold bullion you can purchase in the modern area. No gold coin or bar comes with the weight as low as the 1 Nevada, the 5 Nevada, and 10 Nevada units in the series. What you have to understand is that the gold is atomized and then spread. That's how, and it took them a long time to get that process down. So it's not just a means of storing wealth. And each of the gold bags represents a, the first form of spendable gold bullion that could be used commercially in the United States. The problem with using gold coins is this. Let's say, for example, you have a gold coin. You come to my store. You need to buy some food, some toilet paper, whatever. And I give you the price. And you say, well, here, I've got a gold coin. If the gold coin is worth, say, $1,800 an ounce, how am I supposed to make change for that gold? What if your purchase comes to $100? I'm supposed to give, somehow make change for you. My guess would be with silver coins. How many silver coins do I have to hold on for one person to come up to $1,700 or whatever, the change for you. And then you get to carry X amount of pounds of silver coins around. This is where gold backs come in. 
This solves a huge problem. It's been around for almost 3,000 years. Smaller denominations. I say it's $100, and you give me, you know, you give me uh, whatever. I say, I say it's, you know, whatever, $60. You give me $80 in Nevada, 10, you give me 10 Nevada goldbacks. I can make change with that with my gold backs. You see what I'm saying? You see, this is where it comes in. And they're lightweight. You don't have to give a pickup truck or a horse and carriage to, with all the weight to pull around. Thus risking yourself, you know. Now there's something else out there too. And I, and I found this at JM Bullion as well. And the, it's this. This, my friends, is also an interesting purchase. By the way, if you want to buy a five Nevada gold back, gold note, they're $18.24. You could buy a five Utah gold back, gold note, a gold back, a five one for $18.24. Or, you could buy a one Utah gold back, a one Nevada gold back, or a one New Hampshire gold back for $4.65. Now, what I was telling you about is this. This is kind of interesting. I kind of like this, and I'm probably going to buy a few of them. I'm telling you that now. Not only do gold backs come in that denomination of fractional gold. It's a fractional gold note. That's basically what a gold back is. You can also buy what they call a one gram gold note. Same thing as a gold back, but instead of having it one two hundredths of a troy ounce of gold, it's one gram of gold. Now, that, if you were to buy a one gram Orem Bison Gold Note. That's $90. Now, again, for the one gram on JM Bullion, and this is what I'm using, my friends, it arrives in a protective currency sleeve. And is the, going to be the largest note in this particular series of the North American uh, gram that they're doing. And they're going to go fractionally down from one gram. So, they are manufactured in the United States. They contain one gram. One gram of gold is 0.03215 troy ounces of 0.9999 pure gold. So, each one gram Orem Bison Gold Note is made in a unique process that layers thin amounts of 24 karat gold between two layers of a durable polymer. This note is then packaged in a protective currency sleeve for shipping to provide added security to the item. Now, Orem Gold Notes feature various levels of microprinting and come with multiple security elements to create beautiful visuals that are also secure. Um, 
the reverse side of the one gram Aurum Bison Gold Note does not have its own imagery. There's nothing on the back side of it. Because these notes are so thin, it is not possible to put designs on the reverse without interfering with the reverse imagery. So that's what it looks like. And they got pictures of it. You could take a look at it. And it's absolutely beautiful. But as I told you, they're going to be doing um, uh, the follow-up releases because the, uh, the one gram note is going to be followed with the American Brown Bear, Mountain Lion, Gray Wolf, and the American Bald Eagle. The subsequent notes will come in varying sizes, each of which is planned to be smaller than the one gram Aurum Bison, making it the largest release of the series. And that's where you can get these. I said I like JM Bullion. They've never at their ship they ship fast and whatnot. Now, when you go there and your you go to wherever your precious metals broker is, I don't know. But just go to the search box, type in goldbacks. Now, if for see, um what else they have here? Oh, get out of here. God. No, go away. There we go. That's better. Much better. If you want to buy a uh, 10 Utah, 10 Nevada, 10 New Hampshire gold back, 3466 And you're thinking, and you're saying, okay, John, what's a 10? What's a 10? A 10 is one one hundredth of a troy ounce. So if a 5 is one two hundredth of a tri ounce a ten is one of a hundredth of a tri ounce all right it makes sense all right and you can buy those you know for what would i say it was 37 dollars if you want the 25 again utah nevada new hampshire the only state so far that i've issued them so what's a 25? Well, I'm going to tell you. So get your pencil and papers out. That's 1 40th of a troy ounce. 1 40th. Uh, what else we got? And, then, and the highest denomination I've, uh, they've made so far is uh, the 50. Again, it's a 50 Utah, 50 Nevada, 50 New Hampshire. Your choice, whatever you like. But a 50 is 1 20th of a troy ounce of 24 24 karat gold. There you go. So, this is why I think gold backs make a lot of sense for us preppers. Because it's fractional gold, like I said, and my example. You give me a gold piece to buy something, am I supposed to sit there and try to make out X amount of silver coins to give you back? And then you get to walk around with 50 pounds of gold or uh, silver coins. Going, <laughs> Meanwhile, you're trying to run from uh, marauders who want to steal your gold or steal your silver or your money, and you're being weighed down by bags of silver coins, really. Or, you know, the bag breaks or the, the seal breaks or you drop it. God, you know, 
You, you know what I'm talking about. So this is why goldbacks makes more sense. Now, the goldbacks can only be used at this time in Utah, Nevada, and New Hampshire. And they can only be used with businesses that are accepting them. Something to think about, my friends. Oh, here's something interesting I just found on here. It's the one gram, $100 Benjamin Franklin replica gold note. And it looks like $100. The $100, yeah. It contains, again, one gram of 0.999 pure gold. It's not legal tender item. It's kind of like... Uh, Uh, you it, it, it could be, it could be when it comes time, if there's time when the economy collapses, I guess you could. Hell, if you think about it, in a critical event where the grid goes down and we're living, you know, in the dark ages again, you could use just about anything for money. All money is, is a an agreement between two parties that something has value. So, if I go and I decide that pink rocks are valuable, and you agree that pink rocks are valuable, and now pink rocks are now money. Different shades of pink mean more value. Ooh. Be like the Flintstones. There you go. I want to make you aware of the gold bags. Um, the more I think about it, I think I'm going to be buying some. Actually, I got some other ideas I wanted to do. But as of today, one gold back, and this is the average exchange rate, is $3.86. Now, according to uh, goldback.com, you have to be, this is the first time in human history that we can spend physical gold on small transactions, such as a smoothie, while using, while easily using the same type of money for large transactions, such as you got to remodel your home. Because the goldback resolves the you know, the 2,600-year small coin problem by allowing physical gold to be used for virtually any size transactions. So, how does it work? How do they create? The creation of a gold back relies on the fifth-generation vacuum deposition technology. The designs are printed on a sheet of polymer that is then bombarded with the correct amount of atomized gold particles in a vacuum chamber. The gold is then sealed inside by a second protective barrier or polymer thus creating a beautiful negative image. Valerum has been developing the process for nearly two decades and it has never been counterfeited. It is truly the most technologically advanced process for creating a physical gold money in the world today. So, what else do we want to talk about here? And gold, you know, think about Goldback could be the perfect apocalypse money. I mean, come on, think about it.
So right now, the, the it's uh, 25 to 50%. That's the acceptance rates for goldbacks at small businesses that take cash payments when speaking to the business owner. The estimated number in, in blah, 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 blah. the estimated number of individuals that own at least one goldback is a little over five hundred thousand. The cash value of all the goldbacks created or in the process of being created is twenty-eight million. So there uh, at goldback.com. Uh, there was, they have their other team, General Counsel Lawrence Hilton, authored and championed the passage of the Utah Legal Tender Act in 2011. So the Utah Precious Metals Association formed in 2012 from the Citizens for Sound Money and began offering legal tender gold amounts that same year. And they've been innovating in that space ever since, Goldback Incorporated was founded as a new company in 2019. I would suggest you might want to go there and check it out. This is new. You're going to hear people, the banks especially, are going to be screaming, scam, scam, just like they did with crypto. Now, March was the strongest month in the goldback history, uh, followed closely by February of 2022. And like, um, you can, it will say on your gold bag, for use in Utah, for, you know, in Nevada, in New Hampshire. That doesn't mean you can't buy them, but you can. I'm trying to think of what else we've got here. Um. You know, gold bags are grossly undervalued right now. So will Grisham's law ruin the gold back? I don't know. I just don't know. So let's, uh, I, I just, you know, I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I'm not, look, I'm like you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is what you should do. you got to make that decision yourself. I'm not giving you investment advice, nothing like that. Oh, that reminds me, Gresham's Law. In economics, Gresham's Law is a monetary principle stating that bad money drives out good. For example, if there are two forms of commodity money in circulation, which are accepted by law as having similar face value, the more valuable commodity will gradually disappear from circulation. The $2 bill. How many times have you seen a $2 bill given back to you and change at the store? How many times have you used a $2 bill to pay for something? When was the last time you saw a $2 bill? It's been a, it's been a few years. I mean, you can get them. They're not being used. The $2 bill is worth more than the $1 bill. So there. That's Gresham's Law. I'm not giving you investment advice. Uh, 
take the risk like me. This is what I'm probably going to end up doing. In the meantime, start building your emergency fund. That's all I can tell you. You got to do it now. You should have been already doing it. All right, that's it for this week. I know a lot of you don't want to hear it. Too bad. I'm here to tell you things that you don't want to hear, you don't want to talk about. And I want, I've said it many times and I haven't said it in a while. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in prepping. I don't claim to be. And anyone that claims to be an expert being a prepper, ask them what makes them a prepper. Unless they have lived off-grid for more than six months, yeah, no, you're not an expert. Think about it. Think about it. All right. I'm John Jeffers, right here on the Contra Radio Network on the Jeffers Brief. Think about what we talked about. Until then, please consider getting your emergency fund developed. Consider alternative forms. Because you never know. That's why we're preppers. We never know. We got it. We got. We got to know these things. We don't know. That's why we prep. So in case I'm bad, happens. We're good. So have an American day. Prep today. Live tomorrow. Thanks again, and we will see you probably next week. All right. Have a good one.